Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Now, let me just set the, set the table for it, set the, the scenery here for a minute. I mean, imagine a big, crazy holiday. People come, caravans of people coming into Jerusalem, bringing their first fruits offerings, taking them to the temple to offer them to God. Just imagine how busy that city was going with people coming from all over. And in in an upstairs room somewhere, there's 120 people just waiting for the promise of God. They're waiting. Because why? Because Jesus said, don't leave the city until you receive the promise of the Father. He said, stay in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. And so they're in Jerusalem, they're waiting. And, and all this festivity and all this activity is going on around them. And they say, well, what are we doing? Well, we're waiting for the promise of the Father, whatever that is. <laughs> I guess we'll know it when we get it. <laughs> I don't think they could have quite imagined <laughs> what they were in for. <laughs> but they're waiting to be clothed with power from on high. Look at Luke 24, 49. This is what Jesus told them. He says, behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And that's where we find them in the, the beginning of Acts chapter two. They're waiting for this promise of the father. Acts chapter two and verse one then, it says, when the day of Pentecost has arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As the event would unfold that day, they ended up being just poured out into the street and they drew quite a crowd of people around them. People were saying, what is going on here? And some of them were mocking and laughing them and others were just amazed because they were speaking in tongues, but they were also speaking in the languages of the people. They heard them proclaiming the glories of God in their own language. So Peter stood up and he said, hey, He starts going through the scriptures. He said, this is what God had planned from the beginning. This is what God had planned all along. And he starts preaching the first sermon that day. The first, he was the first street preacher after the church was born, after Jesus went to heaven. This is the first, this is the first sermon out there proclaimed publicly that Jesus is alive. Come on, Jesus is alive. You know, that's the basis of everything we do, the fact that Jesus is alive, right? You know, we we glory in what he did at the cross because at the cross, he made it legal. He took our penalty, took our sin. He made it legal so that we could be right with God. There's no longer a law or a penalty that stands between me and God. But when Jesus went to heaven, to the right hand of the Father, Father, that made it living. That made it real. It's the power of Jesus in heaven right now, working in the earth, that makes all of his promises a reality in your life and in my life. Come on. So Peter's preaching and he comes to the end of his sermon and this is what he says. If uh, you look at Acts chapter two and verse 32. He says, this Jesus God raised up, and that of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. He has done this. Let me tell you something about Christianity. This is where Christianity belongs. 
When we start looking at these verses and try to explain God when, when nothing's happening in your life, we really look stupid. <laughs> but when God is doing things in your life, when God is working in your life, our job is just to explain. See how much he, look, look, you see all this stuff going on, these miraculous things going on? This is what God is doing. You see people getting saved. You see families being reconciled. You see people getting healed. This is what God is doing. It's a lot better than trying to defend your position theologically with no power. We're explainers and we're, we're demonstrators. We're supposed to carry and demonstrate the kingdom of God everywhere we go, amen? So he's explaining, he says, this, what you are seeing and hearing today, this is what Jesus has done. He's poured out the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on, he talks about King David because it's part of Israel's history. He said, David didn't ascend into the heavens, but David himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. He says, let all the house of Israel know therefore how for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Come on, you don't understand. These are brave words right there. <laughs> He's saying, God has made this Jesus Lord and Christ and you guys are the ones who crucified him. That would be enough to get him crucified in a normal circumstance. Do you understand? He's being very bold here. You guys did it. But listen to what the response was in verse 37. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Somebody say, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God calls to himself. Come on, I'm one of those afar off. I'm not a Jewish person. I'm not a child of a Jewish person. I'm one of those who are afar off, strangers in the world, alienated from the covenant. But God has made a way for me and for you to come and receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. Come on, that's beautiful, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. But I, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll see in the scriptures that water baptism always involved repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is a change of mind that involves a turning away from your sins and your life and your old ways to God. That's what repentance is. In the Bible, Jesus was telling a story about two sons. You'll see it in Matthew 21, 28. He says, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first son and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind, and he went. That's a picture of repentance. It was a change of mind. And he went. It's kind of like, a, I think today we would call it a change of heart. Probably be how we would use it in our language today. You know, would you come with me? Rin Kim always asking me to go with her somewhere. Come with me. No, I told you I'm not going there. And then later you, you go, right? <laughs> what are you doing here? Well, I had a change of heart. <laughs> I repented. I changed. I let go of my way. I'll go your way. But that's a picture of repentance. To repent is to have a change of mind, a change of heart. It's to come to the realization that what I'm doing is not working. I'm wrong. I need to change, and I'm willing to change. Peter said to them, repent 
and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And look at verse 40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received the word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The day the church was born, the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people believed the word, repented, and 3,000 people were baptized that day. I bet you that was muddy water after that, after 3,000 people went in and out of that thing. But praise God, 3,000 people added. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and on this historic day, we are excited here to be going to the river after service, and we're going to be baptizing Sierra, Kelly, and Kristen. Come on, let's just thank God for that. Come on, praise the Lord. God is so good. So I want to talk to you just for a few minutes today about water baptism. Uh, and then, and then I've, asked, I've asked the three uh, wonderful women to come up and just share their hearts today and share what God is doing in their lives. So looking forward to that in just a few minutes. But uh, when you go to the scriptures and you read the New Testament, you see that John the Baptist is the first one that we read about who was going around preaching. He was preaching repentance and he was baptizing people in water unto repentance. We call him John the Baptist. Now I have a neighbor, his name is John, and he goes to a Baptist church. And so my kids call him John the Baptist. But the word baptized, it actually means to dip, to dunk, or to immerse. That's what the word means. It's, it's not as, it's originally, it's not really a holy word. It just means, you know, you, you would probably go baptize your clothes when you were doing laundry, right? You would dip them, immerse them, dunk them. You would wash them. Sometimes it's even uh, translated wash. The word in the Greek is the word baptizo, baptizo. And for some reason, the translators didn't translate it. They, they transliterated it, which means they just found English letters that were very close to the original Greek sounds, and they brought it into the English language, sounding a lot like the original, the original word, Baptist. But, you know, I guess it's probably a good thing they didn't, because if they hadn't translated it, we wouldn't have John the Baptist, we would have John the Dipper. <laughs> and your Bible would read in Matthew 3, verse 1 and 2, it'd say, it'd say in those days... In those days, John the Dipper came preaching in the wilderness in Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then down in verse 13, it would say, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be dunked by him. <laughs> and John would have prevented him saying, I need to be dunked by you. <laughs> and you come to me. <laughs> and we wouldn't have Baptist churches all over the south either. <laughs> we would have dunker churches. And I guess, you know, you could probably go to, we could probably have Baptist donuts instead of Dunkin' Donuts if we wanted to. <laughs> but I got to admit, baptism, baptized, baptism, Baptist, it's probably a better word. It sounds more important, doesn't it? You know, But, you know, to us, because of what it signifies, baptism means much more than just dipping or dunking. Baptism means that I have accepted the sacrifice that Jesus made for me, that I've committed my life to following him. Water baptism actually tells the story about Jesus who died in my place and rose up again to new life so that in him, we can also die in him and be raised together with him. 
This is what we call the doctrine. The word doctrine means teaching. This is the teaching of identification. It's not like ID, like a driver's license or an ID card. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little different, right? You just recently, a well-known actor recently won a lawsuit. It was, it was uh, all over the news. That's how I know about it. I'm not a fan. I don't watch his movies or anything. But it seemed like a lot of people identified with his story. He had a lot of support. I'm not saying he was right or wrong. I'm just saying he had a lot of support because somehow when people were hearing his story, they found their story in his story. They identified with him. You see what I'm saying? That's the kind of identification. Except for for a Christian, it's much more purposeful than that. It's much more intentional. For a Christian, identification somehow means that God sees me inside of Jesus' story. That's what it means. God sees me inside of Jesus' story. So from heaven's viewpoint, when he died, and I'm identified with him, when he died, I died. When he raised, I raised. That's what identification means. The Bible gives us a picture of it in Romans chapter 6. If you'll go there with me, Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? I always like to give enough verses before just to put it in context. You know, it's really good to have your own Bibles when, when preachers are putting verses up on the uh, screens. It's always good to have your own Bible and open it up and read it in context. Make sure they're not lying to you. <laughs> Come on. But it says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of Father, we too might walk in newness of life. See how baptism is rep- it's my identification with his death, his burial, and his resurrection, so that when he died, God sees me as having died together with him and raised to new life. A similar passage can be found in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12. It says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who has raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. So the act of baptism, of being immersed, of going under the water, which we will do today, it represents what God has done in your heart and in your life. When you repented and you came to him, it was an unconditional surrender. That's how you come to him. You let go of everything to come to him. You lay down your life and then he raises you up. And so you can walk in newness of life going forward. Look at the, um, the New Living Translation of that same verse. Do you have the New Living Translation? Thanks. For you are buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. See, baptism, it signifies our union with Jesus' death and his resurrection. It symbolizes the end of my old life and the beginning of my new life in God. Water baptism identifies me with Jesus. It identifies me with the work of the cross. And the reason this is possible is for the simple reason that he's chosen to identify with me. 
Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13, I read part of it earlier. It says, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so for now, for thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. What an amazing, amazing event that happened that day. But here's what's, here's what's amazing about it too. John preached a baptism of repentance. If there was anybody who did not need to repent... <laughs> It was Jesus, right? Come on. In fact, uh, John preached repentance so much that when the Pharisees came to him, he rebuked them. He said, you come here. He says, go produce fruits in keeping with repentance. Show me by your life that you've really repented. He challenged them. But when Jesus comes, he says, I don't need to be, ba you don't need to be baptized by me. You don't need to repent. I need to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? But when Jesus came to John, he was identifying himself with the people who needed to repent. Think about it. When he went to the cross, he didn't go to the cross for his own sins. He didn't go to the cross to gain victory over the devil for himself. He went for us. He carried our sins. He carried our problems. He took our weaknesses. He took our failure, and he identified with that. And he goes under the water that day identifying with one of us who need repentance and forgiveness. So water of baptism signals my identification with Jesus and what he's accomplished for me. Baptism is also a commitment to discipleship. In John chapter four, verse one, it's kind of a transitionary passage here. John includes this little piece here and he's ending, uh, there's a conversation with with about John the Baptist at the end of chapter three. And Jesus is about to go have that long conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well that's famous in chapter four. But right here, the first three verses of John chapter four is kind of a transition between those two stories. And he says this, when, Je when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. But as you can see, what it's to say, it says that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. See, water baptism was a sign of discipleship. If John baptized you, you were a disciple of John. If Jesus or one of his disciples baptized you, you were a disciple of Jesus. And the Pharisees were watching. They were monitoring. They were watching who these leaders were out in the, in the desert. They ended up killing John. And they were monitoring Jesus. And you know what? You, you would think that, you know, some, some thought that there would be some, a contest between Jesus and John. But what did John say? He says, no. I came as a forerunner to him. I must decrease, he must increase. But that's what, that's what they did. That's how they marked their disciples, by water baptism. And in the final words of Jesus in the book of Matthew, a part of the Great Commission, he says this. Jesus gives us this command. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
So how do you make disciples? You baptize them. <laughs> you put them in the water and they become disciples. Now, I think it's interesting. It says that Jesus himself did not baptize only his disciples. So who can baptize another believer? Another believer, right? You know, the beautiful thing about the church is uh, if I baptize you or if, if another believer baptize you, we're not making disciples of us. We're making disciples of Jesus. And if we're doing our job right, what we're doing is we're teaching you to obey all the things that Jesus commanded us. We're not supposed to make disciples of ourselves. We're supposed to make disciples of Jesus. Amen. So how do you make disciples? You baptize them and then you teach them to do all the things that Jesus commanded us to do. So water baptism then is a commitment to follow Jesus. And so we are happy to baptize these wonderful women today. We really are. Uh, they've committed their lives to follow Jesus. They've made Jesus their Lord. And just let me say that, if without that, we'd just be getting wet today. <laughs> uh, there's a saying that says, you know, if you, uh, if you don't repent and you just get baptized and your repentance is not part of it, you go down a, you go down a sinner and you come up a wet sinner, you know? <laughs> You just get wet. But what's the beautiful thing is today is, is uh, the work that God has already done in the lives of these women. And we're just excited to be a part of, of acknowledging that publicly and baptizing them as Jesus commanded in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Today is a public declaration of their faith in Jesus. And through baptism, they will be telling the story of how they've left their old life and have come to newness of life in Jesus. And they'll be making the commitment to continue as a disciple of Jesus. So after service, sometime, if you're here as a guest of, of them, or if you're here and you're able to go with us to the, to the lake, it's about a 30-minute drive from here. It's the closest one we could find. It's up in the Holston River. Um, it's a Nance Ferry boat launch. That's where it is. Um, we'll caravan, we'll drive, we'll drive up there. Um, but what we're going to do, we're going to go ahead and have a time. Uh, we're going to eat some lunch first. If you're able to go with us, uh, just make your way downstairs afterward and, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, grab a sandwich. And then at that point, we'll, we'll go up there and we'll have our baptism out in the, in the river. I'm excited about it. Are you? So, so what I want to do now is I want to go ahead and hear from, uh, hear from those. So Sierra and Kelly and yeah, Kristen. Yeah. Uh, huh? You want to go first? Well, you come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's quite all right. You're with family here. You, can you talk? Here. This is why I got this one, because I knew somebody would not want a microphone. So, Bruce, this one's called UCG. Just turn that on. and There we go. Yeah. Okay, so I'm Kristen. Um, for you guys don't know, I was um, the one who was in the ICU last month that you guys were praying for, and I appreciate you guys praying for me, and it, it really helped a whole lot. Um, last week, I talked to Rankin and BJ in private, and I gave my life to the Lord. Um, I was in a really bad spot. Um, I was doing drugs. Um, I checked myself into a mental institute about a couple weeks ago and something was just telling me you don't deserve to be here. You don't need to be here. So I checked myself back out and I was just like, it just felt like something was just overcoming me and saying, you don't need this. You need me. And I actually, I don't know if you guys, I have this called Jesus in red. 
um, this is for like June the 3rd. And it's kind of like ironic because it was like after I had accepted Jesus. I just wanted to read it to you guys a little bit. Um, it's Luke 8, 39. It says, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And I said, wow, that is so ironic. After I had just talked to Rinkham and BJ about it. It says, when we are first saved, we have a natural concern for those we love. We long for the opportunity to tell our unsaved family members about the great things that God has done for us. Not only has he given us life, but through the blood of the cross, he has given, he saved us from death. He has given us immortality through the light of the gospel. This man in Luke 8 went further than, than just telling his own household about the great things God had done for him. The Bible says that he went to the whole city and shared the good news. Speaking of the Savior, Charles Spurgeon said, You want to honor him. You desire to put many crowns upon his head. And this you can best do by winning souls for him. These are the spoils that he covets. These are the trophies for which he fights. These are the jewels that shall be best his adornment. He, may we never become tired or telling dying sinners the great news of the cross and the glorious hope of everlasting life. Soul search. Do I have the zeal that I had when I first came to Christ? Father, may I always hold on to my first love. And I felt like that hit hard right after I talked to Rinkim and BJ. And I was just overwhelmed with joy. Like after I had given my life to the Lord, I felt like someone was hugging me. Yes. And I had reached out to my mother yesterday. It's been about a year since we had talked. And I blamed myself. I was hateful, I was rude, and I was ugly. I didn't have Christ in my life back then, but I prayed, and I prayed. So I messaged my dad, and then he told me to message my mom, and I did. And she reached back out, and I told her I was going to get baptized. I did not expect her to be here today, <laughs> but she surprised me. And she's here with my mom, with my dad, and my sister. And I love them so, so, so much. They, they moved me back here from Oregon about a couple of years ago. They tried to help me get back into Christ, but I don't think I... I wanted to be a wild child. But... It's time to grow up. Right. It's kind. It's time to be an adult and to accept Jesus. And that's what I did. Thank you, guys. Christian, we love you. I love you too. Here's a, I, uh, what is this called? A certification, certificate, and a, a Bible so that you can remember. Hey, don't go too far, Kristen. If you don't mind, we'd like to pray for you guys um, before we before we end the service today. So, so, all right. Who wants to go next? You guys. All right. <laughs> First of all, I need Kleenexes because I know I'm gonna cry. <laughs> okay, excuse me. <laughs> 
First of all, I'm Kelly. I'm Sierra's mom, and I love being here. Um, I've lived a hard life. I mean, I've had two children out of wedlock. Um, I've had some surgeries, and I got hooked on pain pills, but I've been off them since 2019. Um, my daughter, um, she's put me through a lot, but she's... She's wonderful now, and I want to thank your mom and dad for stopping in that store that day and her meeting your mom and dad and her coming here. I love you all. I mean, I don't know happy people, but I'm here every Sunday, and I'll continue to be here as long as I can, and I love all of you. Um, the other day at work, um, I was having a real bad day. I mean, me and my husband, we own a restaurant, but I also work in the county jail, and it's hard. It's hard with all the drugs that you see. People fighting you. I mean, people ODing. And I was having a really, really, really bad day that day, and I thought, Lord, why is all this happening? And just so happened the preacher of the jail had walked in, and I was talking to him, and I said, this job is so hard. I said, I'm living for the Lord now. I said, but this job makes it really, really, really hard. And he looked at me, and he said, Kelly, he said, think of how hard Jesus was when he had to carry that cross on his back. Wow. And I'm like, you're right. This ain't hard. But what he done for us was hard. But I just want to ask God to forgive me for all my sins because I've sinned. Lord knows I've sinned. I've sinned a lot. But I mean, since I asked God to be in my life a couple of weeks ago, I mean, it's just, I love this place. I can't wait to get here. I mean, it's like I rush to get here every Sunday. I mean, just the feeling I get when I walk through that door, it's, it's magical. And I mean, that's, that's the Lord. But most of all, I want to thank my daughter for getting me in this place because I love you all so much. Just pray for us. We love you too. We've got a certificate and a Bible for you. And praise God. You know, that's what we're talking about when we say the fruits in keeping with repentance. You see changed lives here by their own testimonies. Right. It's a beautiful thing. And she drives an hour, an hour? An hour. She drives an hour and a half to church, okay? Wow. So uh, I'm not speaking anybody specific, but those of you who live five minutes away. <laughs> that's devotion. That's, that's awesome. Sierra? Hi, everybody. I'm Sierra. For those of you who don't know me, um, about two years ago, I got arrested. I got out of jail. And at that point in my life, that was the lowest point in my life, just like your story. I was on drugs for about six and a half years, just wild. It just, but um, so I got out of jail and I, I went to Smithville for about six months and I was at a place down there and then I came to Knoxville and it's like, like my mom said, BJ's um, father and stepmother, I, they came to my work one day and I had been wanting to get into church. I had got saved maybe like a couple months prior. I hadn't started going to church yet um, and they led me here and it's like God just keeps putting, just keeps lining things up in my life right when and where they need to be. Um, so I got saved, and it's like things just started changing for me on the inside. I thought, like, I, I mean, some of the things I used to think was okay, the things I used to do just wasn't okay anymore, and it didn't set right with me on the inside. I thought I was crazy, really, if you know the truth. <laughs> but um, I'm just so, since I've found God, I still struggle some days. Some days are a struggle. Um, but I get through it. 
uh, I, like just the, the sense of joy and peace that I have in my heart now since I've found God. I'm so terrified to lose that. I don't ever want to. I don't ever want to feel the way that I used to again. I thought that was normal. I think that all the years I was searching, uh, trying to fill that void with drugs and alcohol and all the things I used to do, that's what I was missing was God. And now I've got that, and I don't ever want to lose that. And it's like now that I've found that, I've just, like on Easter Sunday, I got my family to come to church with me. I've been for weeks trying to get my mom to come to church with me. I just wanted that so bad for her and my daughter. And um, that came on Easter Sunday, and she's been coming ever since. And I feel, and just my relationship with my family is being just it's restored. The relationship with my mother is like it's never been. I feel like we're closer now than we've ever been. Um, God's just working miracles in my life, really. And I, I just see little like even if it's just tiny things. Like just throughout my days, I just see him doing, like moving in my life, just doing things in my life, and it's it's a blessing and it's beautiful. Yeah. I guess that's it. <laughs> so, we'll praise the Lord. God is good. I'm excited about what God's doing. Amen. Change life, Sarah. Don't don't go anywhere. Uh, Kelly, if you don't mind coming back up, and Kristen, if you guys will come up, Marine Kim, and and. Um, We've got a we've got a, a a lot of people here. We can't probably all get out of our seats to come here, but if you would at least stretch your hands out and towards them, and and uh, maybe I could get a couple of our our uh, elders to uh, and, and leaders to come up, and let's just lay hands on them and and pray for them as they're uh, man. This is this is awesome. This is awesome. They're following Jesus. Jesus has changed them. Hallelujah. And maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's see. Okay, praise the Lord. Lord, we just thank you for, for these, these, these lives here, Lord, that have been changed by your, your power, Lord, by what you've done. Father God, we just pray a, pray a blessing on them today. Father God, thank you for drawing them to yourselves. Continue to draw them to you, Lord. Continue to work in their lives. Make their path straight, Lord. We thank you for the provision that, that, that is available to them in the Holy Spirit, Lord, that the encounters and the miracles that you've, you've been doing in their lives, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that this will continue as they step into this new life, Lord. Father God, may they hear your voice and hear your calling and be completely equipped to do those things, to resist Satan, to, to share the gospel, to do those things that you've called them to do. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in these lives. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. Praise your name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I want to do this before we, before we uh, go to eat. You've heard the uh, testimonies of these three. And uh, I just don't want to miss an opportunity. If there's anybody who would like to make Jesus your Lord, I don't know everybody here today, and I don't want to miss the opportunity. Anybody who would like to who give your life to Jesus in the same way and let Him work that miracle in you, where you say, maybe I'm tired of trying to do it my old way. I'm ready to turn from it, and I'm ready to come into the new life that Jesus is willing, willing to give. You know, the beautiful thing is you don't have to go at it alone. Think about this. It says, I'm crucified together with him. You don't have to die by yourself. He dies with you. You don't have to be raised again by yourself. He's with you all the way through the whole process. So as we, hey, Tom, if you don't mind, Kay, Kaylee, uh, 
just go ahead. Let's just do one more song, maybe that last song again or something. And, uh, and just as we sing this song, if that's you, if you would like us to pray with you about that, uh, please just come forward, see me, or in Kim.